We all know the legal world is complex and high pressure. There's no room for error. That's why judges and attorneys across Chicagoland have trusted the expert court reporters at McCorkle Litigation Services since 1948. McCorkle Litigation Services has accurately recorded every word from thousands of legal proceedings. McCorkle Litigation Services provides the legal community with peace of mind, transcribing testimony and depositions that can be used reliably by jurors, judges, and attorneys. For all your legal support needs, contact McCorkle Litigation Services online at McCorkleLitigation.com. You can like Legal Face Off on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter and always rate, review after you listen to the show wherever you consume your podcasts. Our next guest, former Assistant Illinois Attorney General and currently a partner in the litigation and employment groups at Frankfurt Kernet, Trisha Legitino. So, Tricia, on Monday, PBS's trial against journalist Tavis Smiley begins in D.C. Superior Court. PBS dropped Smiley's show in 2017 amid sexual misconduct allegations, and its suit alleges that he violated the morals clause in his contract and is seeking to reclaim nearly $2 million that it had paid for the show. What is a morals clause, and why is that an important issue in this case? So morals clauses are critical in the entertainment and advertising industry, Um, and they're critical because the value of entertainment and advertising properties is often highly dependent on the talent that is featured in them. So oftentimes, almost all the time, I should say, talent contracts include these clauses so that when when or if talent engages in conduct that prevents the producers or the owners of the property from fully exploiting the property, they can then terminate the contract. These morals clauses actually have their origin back in 1921 in connection with the Fatty Arbuckle scandal. And just briefly, in 1921, Fatty Arbuckle was the biggest movie star in the world, and Paramount Pictures signed him to a $3 million deal, which is a lot of money today. Imagine how much it was in 1921. Shortly after they signed him to this deal, he is accused of raping and murdering a young 25-year-old actress in a hotel room in San Francisco, and what was then the trial of the century ensues. And while he was eventually acquitted, his reputation was completely tarnished. Uh, Paramount Pictures could no longer use him in their pictures, but they still had to pay him the $3 million under the contract because they didn't have any sort of morals clause in them. So that's how Hollywood learned its lesson to put these moral clauses into talent contracts going forward. And it's been adopted into the advertising and production industries as well now. So, Trisha, very famously, morals clauses have been enforced in um, sports leagues like the NFL. And the idea is that even if conduct doesn't rise to the level of criminal activity, um, if you have a morals clause in your contract, you've basically agreed to you know, abide by the terms of that clause, regardless of whether you've committed any criminal act. The idea is, hey, listen, we have a product, we have a brand, and we get to decide. And you, by you signing the contract, you live by our decision as to what we consider um, a violation of a morals clause. That's right, Rich. And, you know, these are contract provisions. So it's the, the drafting is key, right? Um, so the, the hiring entity or the owner of the uh, product has to make sure that the morals clause encompasses 
everything that they would want. So, for example, in the Smiley case, you know, these are just allegations of sexual conduct. There's been no conviction. There was a, an uh, external investigation done by a law firm. And so the morals clause, I think a big issue in the trial here is going to be whether or not this morals clause applies to simply allegations of right. sexual misconduct. It's or really, does it have to rise to the level of a conviction or a police report? You yeah, know? it's so really interesting. And it's really interesting to your point that it's so much about brand, right? And and from the owner's perspective, from the owner of the content, in this case PBS, what they're saying is that we don't really care whether you in fact committed any of the allegations. The fact is the allegations themselves are harming our brand, therefore triggering the the morals clause. It's really an interesting legal concept that you know, is being addressed in a different way in this trial. So in this trial, um, the judge in January ruled that allegations of sexual misconduct before Tavis Smiley's 2015 contract, in other words, past conduct, was not covered by the morals clause. What significance do you attach to that ruling? Well, in this case, in the Smiley case, it's really not that significant because the way that this case set up was Smiley filed a lawsuit against PBS first for three causes of action for breach of contract, two in connection with his 2017 contract, and the third in connection with his 2016 contract. He alleged they failed to pay at the last $100,000 on the 2016 contract. PBS responded by filing a countersuit saying that Smiley breached his 2015, 2016, 2017 contracts, specifically the morals clause in each of those contracts, which is similar, you know, the same language in each of them. And as a result, they're due back uh, in damages $1.9 million in uh, production advancement advances. So with regard to the judge saying things pre-2015 can't come in, PBS is really covered by smart lawyering in that they've got three years' worth of bad conduct, right, that they can essentially get in on their claims, 15, 16, 17, and all they have to do is show the breach in that particular year. They don't need to necessarily pile on, right, and go backwards. But in the significance for this ruling is the lesson that drafters of these moral clauses can take away, which is, again, you need to really uh, be mindful of the language that you're putting in your morals clause. If you want it to cover past conduct, it should say something to the effect of talent has not and will not engage in the type of conduct that the owner is attempting to to limit um, or prevent with the morals clause. So, Tricia, getting into some more of the details as to the alleged misconduct, a highly publicized 500-page report from a PBS-hired external investigator claims that Smiley's misconduct spans decades and includes inappropriate sexual comments, verbal abuse, and sexual relationships with both subordinates as well as guests. That report had originally been under seal and subsequently went public. Can you explain for our listeners how this happened and what the consequences are of a report like this going public? 
Yeah, it's really, this is this is a mystery how this report went public. Um, I think it's interesting to note, though, that it was Smiley's legal team that filed this report in connection with, it seems as if it was a motion in limine, so a motion getting ready for trial, trying to keep out some of these accusations, but that's a guess on my part because everything is sealed in this case. But Smiley's lawyers did file the report in connection with with some motion that they filed, and it's unclear how it became unsealed. It's What is clear is that it was a mistake that it became unsealed because the uh, court pulled it from the docket about three days after it, it was unsealed. Um, so that obviously shows to me that this was a mistake. Um, but, you know, the damage has been done. The report's all over the Internet. You can read it. At, it's 474 pages of just detail after detail of what the investigator found. So, you know, the significance in this case is, you know, it's going to affect picking a jury in this case, I think, because I'm certain that voir dire questions are going to be, you know, have you seen the report? Have you made any conclusions based on reading that report? Or will you wait to hear the evidence before you make a decision? So I think in in this trial, it's going to make picking a jury that much more difficult. You already have a difficult time picking a jury when you have a public figure as a plaintiff and a cross-defendant. Trisha, it's very interesting because Smiley has pushed back very aggressively, alleging, among other defenses, that he's the victim of racism. We'll see what happens. Trisha Legatino, abandoned Illinois, where you're from. You were a former assistant Illinois attorney general in the criminal prosecutions division. You're now a partner in the litigation and employment group at Frankfurt Kernett. Trisha Legatino, thank you so much for joining us on Legal Faceoff. Thank you both.